All right, so let's talk, shall we? Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, it's great. Great. It's, it's a nice, gloomy, gray Sunday, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I have. Um, I was <clears throat> doing a, a a piece about uh, without without getting into the whole Jonah Hill thing in detail. Um, the thrust of it is that his surfer girlfriend, who he's been with for like a couple years, uh, went public with all these texts between the two of them, and the issue was that he's, I guess he's a bit of a control freak, or he doesn't like the idea of her. Apparently she had a, you know, something of a pretty significant profile on social media as a surfer, and several shots of her in bikinis and whatnot. So, Mm. uh, you know, she already had that trajectory, and no doubt she thought she could amplify that presence by being his girlfriend, and, and, uh, and he didn't want her to do that. So that's there's always this, this stuff is always happening between uh, you know men and women and their relationships you know their trade offs and I I want this out of our relationship I want to resi- you know all, all that stuff but the long and the short is it's really bad form to um, to go public with texts that you've shared with your boyfriend or girlfriend about you know terms of the relationship it's it's really shitty I just can't yeah. understand why she thought that would be a, a plus for her. But amongst the people who are determined to side with the woman in these situations, uh, you know, it's okay. But I think it's horrible. I think it's gauche that anybody would do that. Anyway, the basic thing is is that um, we all have requirements if we're deeply involved, seriously involved with somebody. And uh, what most people want is, you know, some sort of... and. Boundaries are not necessarily boundaries that you place upon yourself. There's boundaries in a relationship. There's there's things that you can do and you should not do if you want things to be cool with your girlfriend. And uh, there's all kinds of boundaries that I've been that we all understand are there without even having to say them. And then there are boundaries like don't hang out with a lot of girls, don't be overly flirtatious, uh, don't. Um, don't hang out with um, assholes uh, from your past life, you know, guys that drink too much or whatever. Um, pretty self-evident. So I, I don't see what the problem is in saying these are the boundaries that I would like. Now, is he something of a control freak and a, maybe a, maybe not a, enough of a person who says, if you love someone, set them free. Maybe he doesn't think like that. Hmm. But a lot of people don't think that, you know. Well, I thought I thought his think. texts were very concise and clear. They they reminded me of he obviously was in therapy working it out, and the therapist advised him to set boundaries. It was a really nice mm-hmm. text. He's just like, "This is what I need in the relationship. If you can't give me this, yeah. then no hard feelings. I wish you well. Um, I understand. You go your way. I'll go mine. Like that's what he says. But yeah. I just I just did a quick Google search on this. Yeah. And the press is already condemning him with headlines without it even being, I mean, it's the weirdest thing. Like that the beast is so hungry and needs to be fed so badly that they're willing to just take this situation and distort it into something that it isn't. Unless I've, I haven't seen the so-called abusive texts, you know, um, because I've only seen that one where he says, this is what I need. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the the headlines, if you just saw the headlines, you would think badly of him. It says, you know, 
Jonah Hill's ex, Sarah Brady, claims he was emotionally abusive. Uh, Jonah Hill's text shouldn't surprise us. Men have been doing this for years. Jonah mm-hmm. Hill's ex, Sarah Brady, accuses him of emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I just don't, uh, I don't see that in these texts myself, unless I'm missing it. I'm not seeing the texts that say emotional abuse. Here's what he writes to her. He writes, yeah. mm-hmm. quote, plain and simple. If you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post mm-hmm. sexual pictures, friendship with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful. I am mm-hmm. not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it, and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership, my boundaries with you based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. How is that mm-hmm. abusive? Right, it doesn't seem like any problem to me. It seems like he's just laying his cards on the table. Is it now? Should he, should he be less uh, demanding or less controlling in his statements to her? That's up to anybody. You know, it, that's an individual call. I'm not. There's no one answer, but I don't think it's a, it's terribly. I mean, here's what he writes. Like, look, I, I've never dated a guy this nice. Okay. <laughs> he says, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. We can't do surf social things or develop trust until you consider me and make decisions that give regard to our relationship. I have been vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I have been vulnerable as possible. And I'm telling you, I'm needing you to step up to the plate, which you can. I'm sure of it. But these losers don't get your time if you want me. Straight up. It's consideration. Then he writes, I respect your love of surfing, but I respect myself as well. And your love of surfing and being in those situations and lack of awareness are not mutually exclusive. This isn't me. I have my own issues that I own. If you want marriage and family, you can't use this 25 card. Step up and cut shit. These people don't get your time or your kindness at the sacrifice of mine. Marriage and family. What, what do you mean the twenty-five card? I'm only twenty-five, so I can do what I want. Yeah, probably. I don't know. That's probably what it is. If she's twenty-five, then he's wasting his time. Yeah. <laughs> if he's trying to have an adult conversation with a twenty-five-year-old, then yeah, that's not. Uh... That's what I agree with. Uh, he's pushing forty, thirty-nine, and if you have a a thing with a, a woman in her mid-twenties, particularly a woman who feels that a vital part of her whole identity and what she's about and what her life is her social media presence mm-hmm. you're certainly not going to get her to, to pull back on that that's no, for sure not at 25 yeah. i mean if she was 30 then i understand it but but i do i do agree with him setting those boundaries and saying if you want to be involved with me I, I can't be with someone like this that's perfectly fine right um and it's her choice you know yeah. pick one Pick one. You're 25. Pick one. My daughter is in a long-term relationship with a guy, and they look Mm -hmm. to be settling down. I kind of wish my daughter was a little more like the surfer girl. I kind (laughs) of wish she wanted to, you know, live her life a little before she marries and has kids and stuff. Because when you do that, that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. That part of your life is over. Your 20s are done, and that's a really fun part. It's a really fun part of a life. You never get your 20s back. You can get married anytime, you know? Yeah, but and 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 he's probably right that I mean not to be mean or anything, but I'm sure being Jonah Hill's girlfriend is probably helpful to her career. 
you know, and so she, she doesn't necessarily not want to be with him for that reason. I think that's why she decided she wanted to be his girlfriend. She said, whatever I've got going for myself, and I'm happy with myself, but it'll be improved. It'll certainly be enhanced by being Jonah's girlfriend. Right. Uh, not to mention that all the people that I know, but my whole thing will uh, will will go up. It'll be more elevated. I'll, I'll get more followers. So that's what she was trying to do. I mean, yeah, because he's he's Leo adjacent, right? And it's like, if you are Leo DiCaprio and you're a 25 year old girl dating him, you're suddenly a name. That girl that he was dating, that Camille Marone girl. Yeah, she, yeah, Camilla. Yeah, Camilla, beautiful girl. All of his uh, women, obviously, are top tier, <laughs> the prettiest yeah, women you've yeah. ever seen in your life. But mm -hmm. they all have careers after. It is a career move to date Leo. People always say, oh, why is he with these young women? Well, what would you do? You know, would you date mm -hmm. Leo and two seconds later you're famous? She's got a whole career now because of him. Um, it's a trade-off, people. You know, yeah. you, you can't have everything yeah. in life, you know. When you're right. young, Jeff, yeah. you and I have talked about this a lot. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm already in enough hot water today, so I don't know how much more I should... <laughs> say but um mm. but you know when you're young your your youth and your beauty that's a commodity right in a you know we are still a patriarchy even if people are pretending we aren't um mm -hmm. america is still very much ruled by rich white people and most of the men right i'm not saying that it's a bad thing or a good thing i'm just stating a fact all the virtue signaling can't change the actual power because nobody gives up power willingly and, um, and, and the best commodity you have is your youth and your beauty. That's the only thing that can bring a rich guy to his knees, is a young, beautiful woman. Yep. <laughs> and so don't waste it. Don't squander that shit. I squandered mine. And you should understand your worth. That's not to say that's all you should be or what you should aim for, but if you're a surfer model, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, why not, you know? It's like Marilyn Monroe says in that gentleman prefer blondes, you know, it's just as easy to fall in love with a, with a rich man as a poor one. Um, I just, you know, I, I think women should get that ice or else no dice. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you really want to be famous and you want a career, it's a competitive world out there. And there are a lot of beautiful women and Instagram yeah. is very populated with them. And, you know, I'm not saying she used him, but I am saying that, you know, so what, it, you know, but at the uh, same time, everybody uses each other. You know, there's this they, when you get into a relationship that has a high profile element, social media wise, fame wise, there's obviously an element of mutual use. She's using him to achieve things that she wants and he's getting from her to a pretty 25 year old uh, who, who cares for him. In a, in a certain way uh, that uh, he's, you know, he's getting something from her. I don't know that he's, you know, is he using her? Well, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But he's certainly. I don't think he's using her. I think he's in love with her, but I think he's suspicious of her intentions toward him. And I think it's. Making... As he rightly should be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, it was yeah, making... have... I think it was making him a nervous wreck, actually, you know, because yeah. he, she's. She's making, I'm sorry to have to say it this way, and I don't mean it literally, but she's making a cuckold of him, you know, like not directly, she's not sleeping with mm -hmm. other people, but, but the, the sexual, um, you know, ver the, the way that the women attract likes and attention online is, you know, 
with mm-hmm. sexy photos. And if you're doing that and you have a boyfriend, it's a little mm-hmm. disrespectful. Yeah. I would never do that. You know, mm. I would feel bad about it because it would make the guy I was with think that I didn't value our relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're in a relationship, you have to turn all that shit down a little bit. You yeah. have to, this is a major focus. It's not a focus. It's not one of the thing, things that give me pleasure or, or give me satisfaction. It's a, one of the big things. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's even a centerpiece of, of who I am now. So if you're not saying that, then basically what you're saying to the other person is, you know, we're both just gliding along, basically. And, you know, I might be attracted to somebody else more uh, at, at the drop of a hat, maybe. Um, and and you should uh, be used to that possibility. And I, uh, that's the way it is. You know, we're not really having a serious relationship. We're having a, uh, an enjoyable kind of cruising fling type of thing. So, you know, that's the way a lot of people approach relationships. You know, we're not. Yeah, and I think that that it, it matters if you're Leo DiCaprio or if you're Jonah Hill, because I think if you're if you're Leo DiCaprio, you're not going to care. Because you're Leo DiCaprio, and you can get any girl anytime you want. But I think if you're Jonah Hill, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And I think you're worried about people laughing at you. You're worried about people thinking that she's, you know, using him or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. I can see his point of view. I think it's weird that she put those out. I think it's low and cheap and Very mean. Low. And um, you know, people have their issues. They're going to talk about it. But going public with it, that's awful. That's yeah, terrible. for 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 what you know, for what for clout. Um, yeah, she wants to get her. Uh, she feels that the relationship is probably going downhill. Well, how can I lose? I'll, at least if I go public and show these things around, then I'll have a certain notoriety, and I will at least be, you know, well positioned to meet the next powerful boyfriend who will do things for me. I guess something like that. I mean, I think she's got to be a little bit crazy to do that, um, because I think he didn't. He just have a baby with somebody. And um, well, that's what I heard. I heard that Jonah Hill just had a baby. Is that wrong? Let me look. Um, with his oh, with his new girlfriend, and this is his old girlfriend um, from twenty one. From twenty one, right? But she just went public with these. Yeah, texts according to several reports, on June second, Jonah Hill and his girlfriend Olivia Millar welcomed their first child together. And um, okay. So, so she's obviously this new girl. This old, the old girlfriend's obviously jealous. Um, that he. Well, how long ago did it, all this happen? Because the text that you quoted from, uh, was dated December of twenty one. Uh, obviously, almost uh, you know two and a, half, a, a year and a half ago. So um. It says, Jonah has largely kept quiet about his love life since his breakup with surfer Sarah Brady last year. Okay. In fact, the 21 Jump Street alum deactivated his Instagram account last August, shortly after mm-hmm. announcing he will not be doing press for mm-hmm. his movies moving forward to protect his mental health. Ah, poor guy. Mm-hmm. Ah, so he's obviously struggling. And then she goes and does that. I think that's mean and weird. Uh, um, it is. It's very fucked up. I really don't think she's a very nice person to do that. It's, and, it's a, I mean, really... I can look, I've dated a lot of men, bro. And I, I can tell you that his texts were kind and nice. They yeah. weren't abusive. That wasn't abusive. Trust me. You want to see some abusive texts? I can send them to you. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was not abusive. I mean, he was, um, 
careful of her feelings. He was taking care of himself. He was trying to get out of a relationship that he felt was wrong. And he wanted someone more true. And he found it, mm -hmm. looks like, mm -hmm. you know. I don't know who right. this person is, obviously. She's not a star or anything. But she looks nice enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She just looks like an ordinary person, not a model. Mm. Right. Um, and I'm, I hope he's happy, you know? Mm -hmm. But what I think is weird, to me, the, the thing that's corrupt uh, about it is the media's reaction to it. Using this story to try to get some clicks um, and engagement. Oh, so she's the daughter of a model from the 80s. I don't know if you remember her, but this model was yeah. my, my sister's favorite model. Okay. That's the and only her reason I... Her name is Esme Marshall. Let me send you a picture of her. Okay. And so this, this woman that he's with now is the daughter of her. Okay. So, you know, she's obviously in these circles um, mm -hmm. of these kind of, you know, famous people, but she, she doesn't seem to be a model herself. You know, she's, she's not, mm -hmm. um, doesn't look like a model. She looks like just kind of a, she's pretty, but, you know, yeah. she, she just looks like a normal person. Um, Okay. As opposed to a model or, or the surfer girl that he was with. Um, she's a co-owner of the online vintage shop Chasserisi. Chasserisi. Um, it says Miller Co. Wait, mother or, or the surfer girl? The new girl. The new girl. The new wife. Is... Has the baby with or the one that got yeah. angry at him? No, no, no. The, the, the new one. Olivia Millar is her name. Olivia okay. Millar. Okay. Um, and Olivia Millar is the co-owner of a vintage shop with her sister, and she's the daughter of a model, famous model from the 80s. All right. But she doesn't, she doesn't see, she, you know, she likes him, she's with him, but I'm going to send you a picture of them. But she's not, um, mm -hmm. she is not a famous person. Okay. All right. Do you see? I just sent it to you. It's a picture of the two of them together. You'll see what I mean. She just kind of looks like, you know. Uh, one that uh, you just sent me is the one that was, just had the baby with Jonah? Yeah, and she must be pregnant in this photo. Yeah, look, she looks kind of pregnant, mm -hmm. I'd say. Yeah, I think she is. Because it's only been a year, right? And they had a baby already, so it must have happened fast. Yeah, right. Um, um, anyway, so so that that story is uh, is depressing because I feel like you know online ecosystem needs these constant victims to throw into the churn. You know, the media needs the headlines. The people online need something to gossip about, and um, and it's easy to slip into the default that that he is an abuser and he's a bad guy. And now let's cast him aside. Um, you know. And, and, and the, uh, the, the narrative is with uh, the Me Too community, uh, women who've had uh, difficult times with the culture, with, with dominant men being unfair to them, with bad boyfriends, et cetera, et cetera. So the automatic default that the media has is, well, the woman's right, whatever she said, whatever's going on, short of being a murderer or a child molester, she's right. You know, she, She's the one that we side with. So there we are. I just sent you the non-pregnant photo of her. Okay. And she's very, very pretty. Oh, yeah, that's different. Yeah. 
It's funny, uh, Jonah's really thin in the other photo. <laughs> yeah, but she... And he's not that thin in this photo, but she's pretty... She, she's very you know, pretty. Um, yeah. They just got right to it. <laughs> now she's pregnant. Yeah. She had that baby. So, you know, good for uh -huh. him. I, you know, I think that he's... I hope he's happy. She's a beautiful uh, woman, isn't she? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, good well, for him. The way people were dumping... You know, by the way, that, that guy that... Um, was angry you sent me i, I really like that uh, guy I, obviously he's, he's not a uh <clears throat> well-educated uh sophisticated uh college graduate type he's more of a, a, a joe six-pack but he's um he was very angry that his nine-year-old son was asked by a doctor during a checkup whether he um he was uh, straight or 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 whether he was basically a woman gender wise or whether he was yeah. um, uh, you know um that's the strangest thing isn't it i don't think i've ever lived through a time in american history where an ideology was suddenly just appeared and then foisted on everybody like that like you will accept this everybody even people like that guy who has absolutely no clue it was coming knows nothing about it it seems like the weirdest thing in the world to him yeah and they're just saying you have no choice in the matter you have to go along with it well that's what the vast the vast majority of the people who replied to my post about this guy i thought he was i completely sympathized with him because he was um you know i mean as i as i pointed out um and this is this doesn't have, mean anything to anyone uh when you consider that doctors family doctors only began to ask average nine-year-old boys about their gender preference maybe until a couple of years ago maybe three years ago something like that um and that uh, nine-year-old boys were never ever asked about their gender preference before say 20 or 21 and in fact weren't asked no no and and listen they can they can't fool me right they can fool themselves and lie to themselves if they want but i mm -hmm. was raising a generation z daughter in los uh -huh. angeles in the progressive schools of los angeles yeah, yeah. and so i know when this started and i know when that well when they were kids um we were never ever talking about gender the reason is we were liberals we were never going to go for gender stereotypes if my daughter wanted to play with trucks and not Barbies, and she didn't like wearing pink. So what? I would never, ever have thought she's a boy. Nobody mm -hmm. did. Nobody in, in that time. What they were doing was over-medicating their kids already. They were over-medicating the boys. They were, um, you know, everybody had a diagnosis. That The psychologists were deep into their brains to see if they were bipolar or depressed or with anxiety. And uh -huh. they raised a generation on this idea that big pharma knows better for you than yourself. Your brain chemicals are yeah. something you can't control, and we need to perfect them to make you a better citizen. That was going on. But the You're making it sound like every parent was, was giving their kids medication to stabilize their... Not every parent, but it was, a, it was definitely running through the sort of elite's in the progressive circles of liberal Los Angeles. The children were, especially the boys, okay. were either, you know, being diagnosed. They had spectrum disorders or bipolar disorder or anxiety. And um, 
And, you know, my daughter grew up around this and, and she noticed in high school, the girls were all um, sort of obsessed with having disorders. And she told me, she's like, I feel bad that I don't have anything wrong with me because <laughs> everybody in her class had something. And apparently back then on Tumblr, as these kids were coming of age, there was a lot of self-harm on Tumblr, but Tumblr banned it from the platform. They wouldn't allow people to talk about it. And that about is what? self-harm, cutting, anorexia, stuff like that, and eating disorders. Oh. So all of that disappeared, and the thing that took its place was gender. Transgender for girls, when, when traditionally, historically, not all, the tiny, tiny portion of people that were trans, most of them were men, some of them were women, but we're talking about the absolute smallest percentage you could imagine that have this disorder. And all of a sudden, it turned into the social contagion. And the reason I think it did for girls is because right around that same time, 2012, 2013, was right after Obama's reelection. And we started to fear racism in the country with the Freedom Caucus and the Tea Party. And that's when you saw critical theory on campuses. Critical theory was being taught at my daughter's high school. You, and you're not saying the word race. It was, it's called critical race theory. It was critical race theory, but it was also turned into critical gender theory, both. Okay. And then online, we saw the rise right around that same time of cancel culture, extreme, punitive, mean, eye of Sauron kind of mm -hmm. demonizing of white people. And okay. so all these young, malleable minds were freaked out. They didn't want to be one of those people. Mm -hmm. And being transgender allowed them a way out of that. And now they could be part of the, the marginalized groups. They could be part of the other side. They could be in the movement. They didn't have to be on the side of the oppressors. They could be protected and have higher status. And, and mm -hmm. so you just started seeing it. And my daughter in high school, she only had one friend who was transgender. And I remember her coming home and saying, um, yeah, uh, talking about her friend whose name was, I don't even remember her female name. But her male name is Elliot. Um, and she was obviously, to me, a, like a butch lesbian. She looked butch. You would have identified her that way. And MSR talking about breast binders and puberty blockers and stuff like that. And her, this girl's mother didn't want her to take that stuff and didn't allow her to. Apparently, according to Emma, she has now fully transitioned as a male and is happy that way. Got breast surgery mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but that was one person in her class. Now, like 40% of young girls are trans or non-binary in classes in high schools. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's, you can't call it anything but a contagion. There's no way. Because I lived it. I know it wasn't there before, and then it suddenly appeared. So, so my, my, my estimation about this began, becoming a real thing in average middle-class communities in 2021, somewhere around there, is in your, uh, it, your experience says that's wrong. It actually began around 2012 or 2013. That's when, right? that's when the seeds that produce the environment for it to grow. But people, uh -huh. but my daughter graduated in 2016, and there was one transgender person. By the yeah. time she got out of college and was in her apartment in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. a boy she had a crush on 
all through college, was now transgender, becoming a female, growing breasts and everything. I'm Two sorry. of the people in their apartment were transgender and became a couple. So mm. the, the boy became a girl and the girl became a boy and then they were a couple. Mm. Her other roommate was suddenly non-binary. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just kind of exploding. And now you can see from the pride and how it's completely overtaken activism on the left and is yeah. the number one priority of the Democrats to Joe Biden and everybody, how right. insane it was that it traveled that fast and moved that far. And, and in public schools, elementary schools now, they're foisting this ideology on kids. And it's bizarre. Forcing by asking them who they are or, or, or educating them about, about uh, gender and how that's Well, they, they shouldn't be. They, they have absolutely no right to do that. I know, I'm telling you, I was a kindergarten aide. I spent almost every day that my daughter was in school. I was a helicopter parent. I was around all the time. I mm-hmm. know those parents. The one thing we did not do was get involved in their sexuality or their sexual development. It was mm-hmm. not our place, and we knew it because we grew up in the 90s when there was all that child molestation f- fear, or the panic mm-hmm. of child molesters that happened in the 90s. Because we grew up in the 70s, and we remember what it was like when there were no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so we were protective of kids. The last thing we wanted was adults inserting themselves into the sexual development of children. We had plenty of gay parents, none of us were homophobic, everybody was accepting. I remember mm-hmm. once explaining to my daughter why some of her friends had two moms and two dads. Mm-hmm. But gay kids, trans kids, that's a new thing. That's a bizarre new development that, that has only happened, I think, in the, you know, fairly recently. And it's freaking parents out. It's freaking them out. They don't understand, especially conservative parents, especially parents of you know, Armenian or Hispanic or black. They're saying, what is going on? <laughs> because they don't know. It just all of a sudden captured all institutions in this country, like just almost overnight. And yeah. um, I don't know how it is that your readers are so brainwashed by this, you know, that, that they think that that's perfectly fine to do. That's why I like that guy's video, because I thought he just was blunt and to the point and acting yeah. as a parent should. Yeah. He's saying this shit is crazy, you know, and, you know, I'm not involved in it, uh, obviously, but it feels crazy to me from from this distance. And I and and as you just very eloquently described it over the the evolution of of this behavior starting in 2012, 2013, but moving into, say, 2020. uh, I think I think it's insane. I think it's absolutely crazy what's happening. And, uh, the, you know, it, and, and yet most of the people that responded to the thing that I posted thing are, are basically dim- dismissing this guy because he has too much anger or something. I, you know, he's not a, he's not a, uh, he doesn't express himself the way a... Well, he had to or, vent. He was making a video where he was venting. And he was venting, yeah. He said, I'm on fire and all that. You yeah. Know? So I, I understand what he was and saying. And so, you know, pa- good parents are protective of their children. Bad parents are not, period. And so I am exactly. a, like fiercely protect. I am so protective that if I had been on that train with um, uh, that, uh, that the, you know, um, 
Daniel Penny and Justin. Oh, yeah. Uh If I had been on that train, I would have put myself between him and any kid that was on that train. Even if it meant he hurt me, I would do it. Because Mm -hmm. that's the kind of person that I am. I just can't watch kids in pain. And I, I, uh, I posted a thing about that documentary, No Way Back. And after AMC dropped the film, and mm-hmm. uh, and if they hadn't dropped the film, I wouldn't have gone back to it. But I, since they dropped the film, I ended up reviewing the documentary, knowing mm-hmm. that it was going to bring a shitstorm on me because my readers are, if your readers are the way they are, mine are ten times worse than yours. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I know, I know it's a big risk to talk about this stuff because, uh, you know, like they will go after uh, studios and you know they will try to destroy your life. And that's the big question I have is if you're so sure that this is right, why are you shutting down debate on the other side? Why aren't you allowing people to talk about it when it's something as catastrophic as permanent life altering surgeries and medications that make you infertile? Yeah. I was watching this interview with this guy, beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful young boy who was a very feminine gay boy. And he was talking about how awkward he felt in his own body. And how people were telling him that he was trans and that he should become female and he'd make such a pretty woman. And he believed it and he went along with it. And man, they fucking cut off his balls. They took away his testicles for life. Yeah. I mean, that you can't live in a society where people are allowed to remove the testicles of young men. I'm sorry. And breasts is bad, too. These mm-hmm. are permanent life, and, and many of them have um, an inability to have an orgasm. The kid that mm-hmm. they keep dragging out, Jazz Jennings, who's supposedly the famous trans kid that they're passing out this children book, I Am Jazz, that kid is now grown up and 20 years old, is a trans female who has never had an orgasm and probably mm-hmm. never will. Mm-hmm. And all of these zombies are just going along with it. So... I told my readers, you know, and I told my, the people who work with me, I said, look, you know, you want to jump ship, now's the time to do it. Because mm-hmm. I feel strongly enough about this that I'm willing to put it all on the line. Everything. Right. It's not like I have a lot left. But I'm too old to go along with this. And, um, you know, so I am, I'm not going to, like, make it my, my whole side about it, but I'm certainly not going to back off, you know, out yeah. of fear. Yeah, exactly. Um, because I, if I can save any young man from having his fucking testicles removed yeah, for yeah. life, I mm. want to do that. Like, can you imagine if you're, you're 16 and you're making that decision? You know, that's, that's not. That's not. Anyway, so let's move on. We probably lost all of our listeners by now. <laughs> if we had any to begin with. What was our other subject we were going to talk about? Oh, oh, French Connection. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, the only thing about the French Connection is that uh, it's been, I've done six articles about it, and I now have a seventh article up right now because I uh, basically wrote about the new New York Times piece. It's in the New York Times magazine, actually. And it's basically, this is like five weeks after the whole thing began in early June. And the piece, the piece is called "What's Lost When Censors Tamper with Classic Films," and the uh, the interesting thing for me is that it doesn't really go anywhere in terms of of exploring why this happened or who 
you know, like um, the way, <laughs> like, yeah, this is funny. I'll read you something from a, a friend who basically uh, read the New York Times piece yesterday, the New York Magazine piece yesterday. And he says that um, uh, I was going to mess you about this because it's almost comical in its utter lack of, what's that word? I can't seem to remember it. Oh, yes. Reporting. <laughs> the writer's attitude seems <laughs> to be. So what happened? Why was this classic film censored? I don't know. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Ask somebody yeah. about it? <laughs> Come on, we're just the New York Times. What, what can we do? Anyway, that's the long and the short of it, is that they, they decided not to even ask or, or inquire because it is something, I mean, if, you, if William Friedkin wants to blow off myself or, say, Glenn Kenny or somebody uh, on our level and not respond to it, okay, but when the New York Times comes calling and saying, we're doing a piece here, this is going to be read 100 years from now, what is you got to tell us to give us something to work with here as far as the why this thing was done and 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 if he he were to say i i'm not going to take your call i don't know i'm not going to get into it then okay yeah but at least have to uh inquire and 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 the piece never even says that they did inquire all she says was is uh gee i don't know nobody seems to know what happened you know that it's it's really bizarre so and the woman who was reporting uh, this piece she's a good writer by the way uh her name is neela n-i-e-l-a or neela or and of course because the censoring of this scene in the french connection was about uh, a racial epithet the n-word and uh that's why it was apparently presumably uh, how what other explanation could there be that's why it was removed from the film that is the the version i should say that is streaming uh not the obviously not the physical media and not the uh but everything that's streaming on criterion and itunes and whatnot it's, it's gone but it's not streaming interestingly in canada i mean the censored version is not streaming in canada or in england and i'm not sure about the rest of europe but it's only the u.s apparently Anyway, the long and the short is that they decided, because they were obviously squeamish about this story, they would have jumped into it a little bit earlier. I mean, five weeks? They're waiting until it's a dead issue. And so they got uh, uh, Nayla, Nayla Orr to write it, and she's a woman of color. So that gives them uh, a certain uh, political protection. L layer of that, protection, uh, yeah. You know, she, can, she can write very candidly about it. And she, in fact, she, she actually writes in her article the actual six-letter N-word, which nobody would would do, you know. I mean, nobody has done. Nobody would yeah, do. Yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking huh? that they put that in new, in their newspaper. That it's in the New York Times. Well, they're they're making a statement. She, because she's a woman of color, can write it. Because any any person of color who's writing about it can. I know, use but you just don't see it very often. That's all, at all, you know. Hardly at all, mm. you know. Thomas Chatterton Williams. He was. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of wonderful writers that are associated with the New York Times. Uh, I, I don't know what the rundown is, but you are allowed if you're a person of color and you have your credentials in, in order. You can use the word in your articles if you want. I mean, you're, but you, you must be a person of color to do that. You can't. A white person can't do that. Anyway, they did, she didn't ask, and uh, and the piece doesn't. Um, the, 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 the proper explain. sentence is, when reached for comment, or 
when we reached out for comment or we never got back they never got back to us or something like that yeah. you know you or have they to... declined to, to answer as a press time you know that's it yeah you, you have, have to, to do you have to ask God i mean that, that would be a quite a get um to find out for from um whoever yeah. made that call but i think i think we both know the answer to that right um yes absolutely the street can call because yeah. once again the it's it, uh there are uh if you're in the business and you are aware of the uh there's a, there's a thing called an asset list that the disney company or any major distributor has and they list all their assets and it's a visual thing it's something you can get if you're if you're in that circuit and you can get the information you know what their assets are and therefore what is what you can possibly enter into a licensing agreement for uh you know rentals or, or purchases right and they have a dcp asset list and it mentions the french connection in its current context as quote unquote 2021 william freakin v as in victor two or version two and plus there's a statement from the criterion channel that was passed along in early june saying that according to our licensor that's disney this is a director's edit of the film so they're saying it in so many words so it, there isn't a lot of ambiguity there's no ambiguity um mm. unless freaking you know but he that's why he's not getting it for some strange reason at this stage in his life this 87 year old guy who's who's uh, been known as hurricane billy his whole life <laughs> and he's he's been known as a, as a uh, really really a powerhouse of a, of a director he's suddenly becoming a, a wimp in, in in the face of uh political correctness and 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 and, and well work, well um, it's either that or it's it's actual absolution you remember the catholics the catholics before the reformation they they um yeah they had to absolve themselves of their sins before they died to you know okay. so they could go go to maybe he just felt i don't want my legacy to be a movie with this character saying that word you know that's a stupid thing to say a stupid thing to a stupid conclusion to make his uh and he's been saying the opposite all his life this movie came out in the early 70s that makes it 52 years old and he's been saying the exact opposite all his life with with absolute conviction he doesn't fuck around he says this is there because i wanted it to reflect the way these guys actually were and gene hackman was talked into being this ugly guy by, by william Friedkin way back right. when it's also and he's yeah it's also weird that they want to eradicate the word it's like it's like orwell and newspeak and all that why would you want to eradicate the history aren't you worried that people will not understand why everybody's so freaked out about the word i mean it was used so casually back in the 70s it was you read hunter s thompson's book about the 1972 political presidential race and it's all through that book casually and he wasn't a racist at all but he just used the word because that's why, why would the n-word be casually mentioned during the 1972 presidential candidate uh, uh, campaign i'm not following why that no because that's how hunter thing. that's how hunter s thompson wrote he was just you know gonzo journalism he wrote about uh he wrote in the parlance of the time 
and he mm -hmm. wrote beautifully and he was <laughs> he wasn't writing it he didn't use that word as in a derogatory way like uh gene hackman does in the movie he meant it mm -hmm. in in a more casual slang way like he was hip and he was cool and he was using street yeah. talk you know and that's why he was using it he wasn't doing the same reason that quentin tarantino has used it in movies you know it's like the lingo it's part of the lingo and the parlance it's not a, a slur intent wise right. they didn't mean it that way but we live in a time mm. where even if it's said that way it can't be said mm -hmm. i mean we're so freaked out right. that we have to capitalize the word black now and if we don't you know we're seen as disrespectful or racist so everybody capitalizes. And, and probably subliminally racist and prejudiced yeah yeah but it's it's okay. always i always find it weird when i'm typing out the word black to capitalize it and then not the word white or whatever like no I you can't you can't do that because the white thing is something basically to be ashamed of and to be atoned for and apologize for yeah and it's it's yeah. not that yeah. surprising that they would be trying to take control of language considering we've all civilization has migrated online and so much of online relationship is is a game of words you know, not yeah. so much with TikTok and YouTube, but Twitter and journalism and everything. We're always texting. We're always reading words. And so it does kind of make sense that they would want to to dominate and control how people write. But it's mm -hmm. still weird for people to get into your head like that, I think. Uh, anyway. Um, By the way, I'm going to, um, um, I've seen Mission Impossible, uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1, uh, which opens only three days from now in fact it technically opens uh two days because it opens on tuesday night in in quite a few theaters oh i wonder if it opens uh, here a, i'll go i'll go see it tuesday night that's the way that that's the, the there's a um i'm gonna go see it again on tuesday because i love the film and I want to see it again and appreciate it uh, because of anything that's as good as this, I'd like to yeah. watch at least two or three times. Ah, uh, totally. But secondly, I, I also am going to go because, according to what Jordan has reported, Jordan Rumi has reported, there is a full trailer for Napoleon yep. attached mm -hmm. to Mission Impossible. So it doesn't come. That's on. worth seeing. It's not playing here on Tuesday, unfortunately. Well, it is playing but on Wednesday. The, it's playing Wednesday. Well, I understand about the Wednesday, but you, you know how it works now. Um, a movie opens on a Friday, but in fact, it opens on Thursday night. And you can always see it the night before. In any, and, and not just New York City and Los Angeles. I'm talking about Westport, anywhere. They have these screenings. And you'll, I checked my local Westport Plex, an AMC Plex, and Mission Impossible is showing at 3, 3 p.m., 5 p.m., 7 and 9 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, they want to get going on that as soon as possible. So I'd be serious. I think you should double check because if you go into your AMC uh, app and, and look at what they're doing, you'll, you'll see that there definitely are screenings. They wouldn't have them in Connecticut, New York, but not Los Angeles. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'll check it out. Uh, I definitely want to go. I'm very excited about seeing that. Yeah. Um, and then I have Oppenheimer. And as, big, Go ahead. and as big a film, a big a screen as possible. It's a, it's a very much of a big screen movie, hmm. Mission Impossible. So. That's exciting. Um, I was infuriated, by the way, when I went, went to see um, 
uh, Joyride um, the other day mm-hmm. at uh, in New York at the Lincoln Square, and the sound was muffled to the point that I immediately got up and asked, "Man, I can't, I can barely hear it. Can't you?" And and they, you know, whenever they, you ask them to please turn it up, what they do is they turn it up one half of a fraction. They never really turn it up because they don't they've got a standing order to keep the sound down as low as possible in order to in the, in the you know to save the uh st- wear and tear on the sound system right so that is often the case so be careful right when you see this make sure that you're going to a place that, that is really top the line and um you know don't and i this is funny but you know um the AMC Plex at Lincoln Square is top of the line, but they were showing uh, that poor film that is pretty much underperformed. I guess it's not going to work. Um, I haven't haven't actually checked, but the presumption as of Friday was that it was basically not going to do what they were thinking it might do. They were thinking seven to nine million. I mean, any any film that's, that's catching on and has a Per screen average of nine hundred dollars. That's not a very good um, signal. Oh my god! You're doing all Mission this. Impossible is playing here on Monday night. Monday night. Good for you. Okay. So how does that work? Uh. So they're starting two days before the official thing. But there's okay. literally That's... no seats left. So if uh, I if I funny. went to it, I'd have to sit in the front row, which I'm not going to do. Okay. Um, that's kind of exciting, though. Yeah. I mean, that, that's for yeah, IMAX. Um, so I'll see if okay. I can. I mean, I'm I'm glad it's playing there, and then that means yeah, that's it's almost full too. So I'll probably have to, I'll probably have to go on a different day. Oh well, but I'm glad you told me that because now I know that it's possible to see it on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, so okay. Where did you look? So is so it, let's talk it, about it, that. So- I have to talk about that because I got into that huge fight on Twitter. <laughs> I just want to talk to somebody about okay. um, But you basically said that masculinity is being has been so um, depressed and and disdained, and you know, so that anything that is openly masculine in our culture, in movies, you name it, is not going to uh, is being suppressed. It's being belittled. It's uh, and and that Indiana Jones. The Dial of Destiny is one example of this, right? Yes, correct. Um, I'm saying that he, and I'm buying my ticket right now for 2 o'clock on Tuesday for Dead Reckoning. Okay. Okay. Um, Unless I can get my niece to go with me. Maybe I'll ask her if she wants to go first. Yeah, I'll probably do that. Um, All right. uh, or maybe I'll see. Is it good enough to see twice? Absolutely, in my view, sure. I mean, right, but, but I, if something is, works really well, I all, always go to. I mean, because I, I one, it's not, it's not hard to stay with um, information wise, but you are basically talking about a software, a, a a software that may have generated its own power called the entity. That is the bad guy, if you will, the MacGuffin. But it's really it's not there's not a, uh, a a human villain in this. There are people that are aiding and abetting, but this is about uh, software. Um, 
undermining and and, and making things worse. All right, I am I am paid now. I'm going two yeah. o'clock Tuesday. Free ticket because of my Stubbs membership. Um, right. All right. So yeah, I. I don't know what got into me yesterday. I don't know why I picked a fight with somebody who's actually a nice guy. Um, I mean, it wasn't really a fight. It was kind of playful teasing, but I think he did He did sort of take a little bit of offense to to it um, when I accused him of trying to build clout. And And what I meant by that, by the way, wasn't that I'm so popular that talking to me is like talking to Nicki Minaj or something on Twitter. <laughs> it just means that people hate me so much on there. I'm so hated by so many people. You can actually build your clout. You can build your status by, you know, criticizing me or shaming me or humiliating me or throwing me under mm-hmm. the bus, which is why Devin Faraci did it. Even after all that, even after I, I took a hit and stood up for him and defended him and people called me horrible names for years for doing that. Um, and I thought it was the right thing to do, and I still think it was the right thing to do to stick up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was a fan and a think supporter. And... Devin has turned around and trashed you in a in a present tense. Yeah, on Twitter. Oh my god! <laughs> Threw me under the bus on Twitter, and uh, and Chris Tapley noticed it and sent it to me and said, "God, I can't believe he would do something like that." And I couldn't believe it either. But but that's the thing about online clout; it's really hard to resist, you know, especially. For somebody like Devin and for this guy I was talking to, he will deny that that's what he was doing. But he kept quote tweeting me and I kept wondering why. And he kept getting all this attention for his tweets. And it seemed like, well, people are so into that. They're so into somebody criticizing me or trying to make me wrong. Anyway, the bottom line is that I'm not accusing him of doing that. I'm just saying that's why I said it. Um, And I shouldn't mm-hmm. have said it. And it was, you know, I regret it. But whatever it's over now you know twitter is weird you regret the saying what exactly i regret saying that i'm not gonna i said to him i'm not gonna let you use me for clout i don't want to do that i just i don't want to have this conversation in public you know and he said i'm not using you for clout he got all hysterical and upset um and fine Okay, like you know, but the argument was about Indiana Jones and Matt it started like the argument here. Exactly, but I had to get that off my chest. So, okay. um, the um, yeah, I said because when I first saw Indiana Jones, like I told you, I did not think it was a bad movie. I didn't think it was a great movie. I didn't like the kid in the plane that bothered me, but mm-hmm. for the most part, fine. You know, I liked her. I liked him. I didn't have a problem. But then I mm-hmm. went on and I looked at YouTube and I saw the unbelievable reaction to it. And, and I'm not talking about fringe people. I'm talking about every major influencer on Twitter from Critical Drinker on down trashing the decision to put Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the center of the story and how <laughs> betrayed they felt and how... Um, Disney wrecked yet another brand. That funny uh, thing I sent you of the woke critic mocking Kathleen Kennedy and saying how she's done it to Disney. Another another British brunette replacing a traditional male hero. Um, and looking at the drop in box office to thirty million this past weekend tells you that word of mouth is what killed the movie. People wanted to see it. That's sure. but then they heard about it because it's everywhere. 
except on film Twitter, where, where there's always a climate of fear, um, that they're mad. And so now they don't want to go see it. And so it's not just that the movie's bad. And his point was the movie should never have been made because Harrison Ford is 80 years old. And I said, but the only reason they made it is to make it a delivery device for the new Indiana Jones, just like they did with Ray in Star Wars. They want Phoebe Waller-Bridge to be the new Indiana Jones. It's obvious. Mm -hmm. So, well, to be specific, what we're talking when they said that we're talking about Kathy Kennedy wanting that to happen. Yes, that's the ac accusations on YouTube that it's her fault. Some, is there another interpretation? Is there somebody else making the, the call? She, well, the reason they're blaming her is because, you know, she bought the Star Wars, Disney bought the Star Wars franchise, and Kathleen Kennedy, in about around 2012, decided to feminize the Star Wars brand which was kind of a baller move back then because people mm -hmm. like me were out there saying you know the patriarchy the fanboys the 13 year old mm -hmm. boys and so hollywood was trying to address those complaints and so they put in oh. ray for star wars but mm -hmm. i think people kind of went along with it but then it just kept happening and you just kept seeing these females taking the place of they did two things they erase the sexuality of females like Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow, for instance, and they turn them into these, you know, sourpuss, sort of morose martyrs. Mm -hmm. And then Indiana Jones, they put a woman in there who, you know, is kind of an interesting character, but she's definitely a strong female character. Yeah. Um, and for reference on that, look at Critical Drinker's video essay from about two months ago called Strong Female Characters. He explains it. His basic point was what? His basic point was um, there are really great female characters throughout film history, but this new incarnation of building a fake strong character, an alpha female that doesn't exist, who isn't that strong um, mm -hmm. to beat men in fights, um, and, and it's ridiculous and absurd that like Ray could just suddenly become this amazing lightsaber warrior when she had no training like luke went through all that trouble to train with the jedi <laughs> mm -hmm. with yoda to become the master and she didn't right. she's just i'm a woman so i'm elevated to this high status yeah and um so that's his point is is there's so many of these characters that you can't relate to because they have no flaws because they're treated like gods and they're not real characters they're not real people right and um and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just the latest one of that, and you can't argue with him when you have her hanging off of a plane in the pouring rain um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and pulling herself up. And um, like I say, as I told you, I'm not one of these people that has a problem with it. But I, I understand that if you're going to make a movie for a fan base that has trusted you for decades, why would you then sell them out like that, you know, mm -hmm. and expect right. it to go well? You know, like, what, how would you ever expect that to make money? You think girls are going to turn out to see this movie? Not a chance. Boys, those are your audience. You either serve them or not, but... Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's that. I don't know if I should apologize to the Eric or not mm. um, for saying that one thing. But Oh, my God, I'm looking here, by the way, at deadlines... Um... Uh, the report this morning, Anthony D'Alessandro, and uh, Joyride, which was uh, 
estimated to do between seven and nine. And I had written that it's looking more like 6.5, which is, you know, obviously a, uh, less and an and a underwhelming total for the weekend. And here's the the final tally, according to D'Alessandro, is 5.85 million, which is really, uh, that's really a, a, a disappointment for, the, for those poor folks. And it's, I, I, it's funny that I'm, <clears throat> I'm saying this because I, I was miserable throughout much of it. But it's, I said, you know, this is my fault. It's, it's me that, that's the problem, not the movie, because they're, they're, they, they got their handle on something that I respect. They're, they're trying very hard to do a really ribald, uh, bordering on excessively gross sexual farce. But at the same time, they're adhering to a three-act structure that in, actually involves emotional issues between friends and a family thing, uh, you know, finding a, one's own birth mother and a uh, biological mom. And it's, it's, it's not bad. It really isn't bad. And that's the part I, I liked, actually, the last third. Uh, but it's not a bad film. I, I was not to my liking. I, I wasn't happy. And I only laughed one time, once. And that was something I've never seen in my life, which is two guys going down on a woman side by side. Side by side, <laughs> it's really funny to look it's at. It's like it's like do dogs at a water bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, that that's okay. That's funny." And I, and I actually laughed. Oh man! Um, yeah. Well, so Indiana Jones only made twenty six million for the weekend, okay. bringing its total to one hundred and twenty one million for two weeks. Like that is shocking, and then yeah. nobody wants to talk about it. Okay. But meanwhile, no Sound of Freedom, which, by the way, I know I keep talking about Critical Drinker, but today he just dropped a video. The Critical Drinker recommends Sound of Freedom. So oh, good to, for him. I'll have to watch okay. his review of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That movie in one week has made as much as No Hard Feelings has made in three weeks. Yeah. No yeah. Hard Feelings is at 40 million and Sound of Freedom is at 40 million in one week. Mm -hmm. like that's, that's pretty great. That is. And there's a, uh, and I, I really have no excuse here, but I, I guess what I have to do is go and find it in the theater because I want to see it now, but I haven't. Um, oh, same here. I, I just, look, I'm supportive of it and everything. I just feel really odd going to the theater and buying a ticket to this movie. But, um, you know, uh, the problem with Joyride, sorry to loop back because you said mm -hmm. something and I wanted to, to comment on that, which is that, Mm -hmm. To me, it's an example of the the disconnect between the online sphere and the and the market at the theater. I think that they're aiming for people like my daughter to go see Joyride, okay. but people like my daughter are never going to prioritize their time to go to a movie theater to buy a ticket and see this movie. They'll see it when it's on streaming, but they have no incentive to turn out, and that low box office shows you that it doesn't matter if a movie is getting a lot of buzz online, which this did. It doesn't mean people are going to come out of their house and, and buy a ticket. That's a lot of money. You know, the people that are going to see this mo these movies, all of them, you know, yeah. aren't necessarily people who are online. 
You know, there are people who want to go to the movies. And that's a whole different mindset, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe Joyride will build word of mouth. Do you think? I can only say that there were some younger folks in my picture theater screening, and they seem to be having reasonably good time with it. Uh, I heard some good, jolly laughter. Uh, so maybe you know, uh, I, I you know I hope it at least on online or, or streaming wise, it'll it'll build up. You know, mm. it's not like it's, uh, but I but I know for sure that as much as I dislike feeling because i didn't find it funny uh i know that it's trying very hard to to do a kind of a generate the kind of energy you get from his girl friday you know very fast dialogue and lots of punch and pivoting and 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 a lot of vigor in the in the in the performances and the directors you know it, it they're really trying to and i and i said well i don't like this movie but they're they're, they're at least doing the best they can to deliver a, a thing that, that you know and it is a you know basically a girls trip it's like the, the hangover it's just a asian girls going through the drunken thing and partying thing and sex thing on their own and yeah. that's okay you know i i, I well I, listen I, was, I think any original film like that that takes risks yeah. is a good idea yeah me too you know? i mean just keep the budget low take risks be funny don't be woke you know, woke is a killer. It really yeah. is. It'll kill your movie. Be honest. Be funny. Be be controversial. You know, and make anything you want. Um, I think um, no hard feelings. Not, no hard feelings. Is problem is that they pulled too many punches because they can't. Right now, we're living at a time where the most ridiculous people that have ever lived in my lifetime are now in power. And they mm -hmm. are the, the most absurd, puritanical, uptight, punitive, hypocritical zealots. And they should be made fun of. And anybody who does that is going to make a lot of money. But so they're trying to ride this, you know, comet skit night at the Scientology Center kind of comedy. And, and it's, it mm -hmm. has to be so in keeping. It can't offend anybody. So yeah. <laughs> it's never going to be funny, right? And so I don't know what Joyride is, but I imagine that they kept their humor probably politically correct. Um, well, by by having a trans character, yeah, that, that's that's the obligatory thing. And by like only and making, we did not care for the trans trans character because I felt that they sucked all the that that character kind of sucked the energy out of the room. Um. It didn't just you know destroy it or anything, but it basically I'm like, oh god, here we go, a trans character. Right, and but listen, I, um, uh, religious zealots can't make funny movies. They can't. So, but I think it's if people suddenly decide to yeah. break that seal and pierce mm -hmm. the veneer, that they're going to make a shit. If that had been what Jennifer Lawrence's movie was, mm -hmm. it would have been really really funny. <laughs> um, but but that's not what they're doing and, and when they start doing that it's going to be funny but they're still at a point where they feel too scared to make fun of people yeah so yeah as long as that uh, inhibition is part of the mindset or the or the strategy of a movie that that 
means it can't be funny. It just can't be. That's all there is to it. And also, I hate to be the one to bring this up again, but what is a transgender character doing in a Chinese movie? Don't they know that, like, in traditional Chinese, like, they're not going to be interested in that? It's going to, because traditional Chinese families tend to be fairly conservative, no? Yes. That's my, my limited understanding. I've never been to China. But, yeah, my understanding is that they're pretty traditionalist in their thinking. So, um, you know, maybe they're... I don't know. They didn't actually shoot it, by the way, in China. They shot it all in Vancouver. There there seems to be this fear among women, even women of color, apparently, where they're afraid to tell. And not I guess this isn't always the case, but a lot Mm -hmm. of the time it seems like they're afraid to be, you know, white feminist or, you know, feminist feminism that are turfs. Right, like our friends who have that Oscar site, whatever it's called, Oscar Central, where it's yeah. women and non-binary people. Because if it's only women, then they're TERFs, right? Yeah. So if right. Joyride is only women, then they're TERFs, even if they're Chinese. Just mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. Women Talking, Women Talking couldn't be just a movie about women. It had to be have a transgender character. Because yeah. otherwise they're TERFs. They have to share their space with transgender females because they have to be inclusive. Right. But it doesn't always work for the story. It certainly didn't work for women talking in a strictly conservative Mennonite community. You're not going to have a bunch of religious people who are so religious they don't even read suddenly accepting of a transgender. Like, that person would be cast out. Yeah. At best. Mm-hmm. Probably murdered at worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... Anyway, anyway I'm, I'm relieved to hear that they didn't actually shoot this in, in China. At least that's what I read. Maybe I'm wrong because some of the uh, some of the geographical, some of the mountains, some of the it reminded me it looked like real China, rural China to me. But um, there's so much of the urban activity, the partying and whatnot, that is ostensibly taking place in Beijing. And it's so much like hotels you'd see in Cleveland or uh, Tempe, Arizona, or anywhere. I mean, there's there's no local native character to anything anymore. Everything is corporatized. It's all the same Mm. wherever you go. Right. So I was glummed out by that. I I was hoping that I would see a little bit of, of Chinese culture, Chinese architecture. Well, I just feel like it's. It's woke because what what I mean by woke, right? The word woke. And and I wish we had a different word because people always call you out on it and they always stop you because they hate it when you use the word. They want you to not use the word because that word belongs to the black community, whatever. But what I mean as woke is is joyride because it is, they're not telling an authentic story, right? The authentic story would be the truth of these four girls, three girls, whatever. on a on a romp, but but in putting a transgender character in there, they're inserting an ideology. They're inserting a this is what you should do. This is how you should think. But you you notice right away that it's not authentic, right? Um, because it's telling two different stories, right? The, the story with a transgender character would be about a transgender character. You know, mm-hmm. that's the truth. It would be yeah. a, a story about a transgender character. That would be part of the story, 
And it's not, right? I mean, it's just a, a character in the show, in the movie. They're thrown into the ensemble. There's an ensemble. Yeah, but, but see, people don't think like that. It's not the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's maybe the Gen Z's truth. But even in Gen Z, there's a part of their brain that is processing this information. Mm-hmm. This transgender person. Who are they? What are they? Where'd they come from? What do they think? What, what kind of body parts do they have? What are their preferences? What's their history like? You know, all that stuff. Like, it's such a new thing to all of us. They want us to say trans women are women, period, the end. You're not even supposed to think. But also at the same time, they are identified as trans people. They get, you know, they get protection online because of that. They get influence. They get status. And these people who made this movie get, and Barbie, they get, you know, credit. They get woke credit for, for putting this character in. But as far as a narrative goes, it automatically takes it out of the realm of truth, I mm-hmm. think, because you're foisting this ideology into it. Right. Maybe someday mm-hmm. it won't be like that. But for now, it feels. in other words, if they really wanted a transgender person who's a women are women person, mm-hmm. then you would never know that the person was trans. You would just think that was another woman. But because they need the status of having a trans person in there, they have to make sure that you know that that person's trans. And so now your brain is off processing something else other than Mm. the story that you're supposed to be watching. That's all. So I think we covered everything, yeah? Yeah, I think we did. I'm looking forward. I'd like to hear your reactions. Mission Impossible, you see it on Tuesday. I'll be reviewing it that same day. Is that when the review embargo is up, or is it up already? Oh, I think it's uh, up already, yeah. The, you're allowed to have uh, reviewed Mission Impossible as of last Wednesday. All right. And um, Mission Impossible, I predict, will be the highest grossing film of the year, like Top Gun Maverick. That's my prediction. Yeah. Because I, I can't imagine it not happening. It has no obstacles in its way. It's not mm-hmm. woke. It has Tom Cruise in it. And right. it's a good movie, so it's it's green lights all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, it was nice talking with you. Lovely as usual, and uh, enjoy your sun. The remainder of the Sunday. Yeah, you too. Uh, Do you think I should um, today or, or or tomorrow? Probably tonight, this afternoon. Okay. Well, have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon.
She's a child of the sun And we're part of this together Could never turn around and run Don't need no fortune teller To know where my lucky love belongs 